what should the listeners know about an, an, an invisible illness? So an invisible illness could be chronic, physical, mental, disability, anything that you, you cannot see through the naked eye. So one of the examples that I always give is I had a major surgery back in 2010. And prior to that, I was the person that if someone got on the elevator on the second floor to go down, I made an audible sound of, oh, why are you not taking the stairs? You're wasting my time. I have somewhere to be. And then I realized after going through the surgery, when I became the person that had to take the elevator, that you don't know what people are going through. You can't see, I didn't have a cast. I didn't have a cane. There was no bandage sort of visible to the naked eye. And so for me, it's really important to help share those stories and help people who do not feel seen because people can't see what they're going through. It's not a cancer patient who has lost their hair and you can assume that because they're bald, that's what they're going through. Or someone who's walking with a cane or crutches. This is something where internally something is not right and your average person wouldn't know otherwise. Welcome to Worthy for 30, a podcast hosted by Eric Tash. Eric is a brand marketer who spent time in both the startup and corporate worlds. Throughout his career, he's come across remarkable leaders who've set clear examples for how to do good and give back. Eric sits down with some of the most sought-after entrepreneurs and C-suite executives to discuss how they're able to unlock deeper meaning in their work by infusing their core fundamental values. Worthy for 30, we're doing good and doing well. Welcome to another episode of the Worthy for 30 podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tash, and with me today is Harper Sparrow, a friend and former colleague. It's funny how life comes full circle. Harper and I, about 10 plus years ago, worked at Buddy Media together. And ever since we left Buddy Media, Buddy Media sold to Salesforce back in 2012, we kept in touch. Most recently, as we were catching up, Harper mentioned that she is now living in Tel Aviv, being a born and bred New York resident. We'd love to talk to her about that. But more importantly, we'd love to talk about how she went from working at Buddy Media and working for someone else to really pursuing her own entrepreneurial aspirations with the Made Visible podcast. So Harper, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm excited to chat with you today. It's been a while. It has been a while. So Harper, how I like to kick off the show and the conversation is really getting a background of what you've been up to. I know we've been chatting over email and just before we started to record, but please bring the listeners up to speed on what you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, native New Yorker, I've been living in Tel Aviv for a year now. And after eight years of working for other people. I'm sorry, after 10 years of working for other people, I started a business eight years ago and I'm a business coach. So I support solopreneurs and small business owners in building and growing and launching their businesses. And then back in 2018, I launched a podcast called Made Visible, where I interviewed people who are living with invisible illnesses or their family members, caregivers, doctors, healers, and people who started businesses all related to invisible illness. I have a rare immune deficiency, and I always felt really isolated and alone in navigating that. So I decided to create the content that I couldn't find online. So I launched that podcast back in 2018. I put it to rest in 2020 after 100 episodes, and I'm bringing it back in early 2023. So I'm very excited about that. And I'm also working, I've been facilitating writing classes for about a year and a half now for the same demographic of people living with invisible illnesses to connect with others and feel more supported and have a therapeutic way of being able to 
navigate life with an invisible illness and putting pen to paper of what it's like to deal with it. And most recently, I've been working with companies to do this exact same thing, whether it's creating content, whether it's internal podcasts or newsletters featuring their employees who are living with invisible illnesses, as well as coaching and facilitating writing classes in partnership with employee resource groups and head of disability office. That, that is a very, very big list, a very impactful list of activity and impact that you're making on this community that that before, as you mentioned, you were looking for content on invisible illness, illnesses. You tried to find resources. You, there wasn't any or really that, that many resources that you could really turn to. So you said, you know, what if I create content? What if I develop a podcast or whatever the machination is? Again, you created an outlet for this community. So before I, I talk about Made Visible and the writing classes, We'll love to understand what are some of the misconceptions of an invisible illness? Like what should the listeners know about an, an, an invisible illness? So an invisible illness could be chronic, physical, mental, disability, anything that you, you cannot see through the naked eye. So one of the examples that I always give is I had a major surgery back in 2010. And prior to that, I was the person that if someone got on the elevator on the second floor to go down... I made an audible sound of, oh, why are you not taking the stairs? You're wasting my time. I have somewhere to be. And then I realized after going through the surgery, when I became the person that had to take the elevator, that you don't know what people are going through. You can't see, I didn't have a cast. I didn't have a cane. There was no bandage sort of visible to the naked eye. And so for me, it's really important to help share those stories and help people who do not feel seen because people can't see what they're going through. It's not a cancer patient who has lost their hair and you can assume that because they're bald, that's what they're going through. Or someone who's walking with a cane or crutches. This is something where internally something is not right and your average person wouldn't know otherwise. Understood. So it's really having, I have to use some Yiddish, having Rahmanis, having compassion for that fellow person. Because again, you don't know on the face of it what they're going through. So you're trying your best to really understand. And as part of that, what are some of the verbatims that you've gotten from the people that you've been able to impact through the community that you've built? Yeah, it's interesting because most of the people who listen to the podcast are people who are living with invisible illnesses. And they suddenly feel like they've been represented. They feel seen. They feel supported. They're hearing stories where they're going, oh, my God, I didn't know someone else has been through that before. I didn't know that I'd that someone else felt the same way that I feel. And so there's something really powerful about hearing other people's stories. No matter if you have the same diagnosis or condition, it's the general aspect of dealing and navigating with family members, friends with colleagues and employers and how you navigate those systems, as well as the medical world, which is exhausting and draining to navigate. So seeing people, hear people on the podcast and through my writing classes, through storytelling, getting a better understanding of, wow, this is what people go through. So there's definitely an aspect of the people who are living with invisible illnesses, but I'm also hearing from people who are looking to become more advocates and more compassionate to, towards those who are living with invisible illnesses. Because a lot of people are not going through it currently, and they may not have family, from, family members or colleagues or friends who are currently dealing with things. 
But number one, you probably don't know that there are probably people in your world who have stuff going on and are not sharing it. As well as down the road, there may come a time where it does affect you. So why not get to this point now where you have some education and some language on how to better support the people around you? No, that's, that, that is very compelling. Again, it's one thing to, to have an invisible illness. It's another thing, again, to have that foresight to help try to understand. Because, and correct me if I'm wrong, you or people beside yourself, but other folks who have an invisible illness, are they saying, are they preemptively saying, this is the illness or this is a condition that I have and I want you to know? Like, how does that conversation ensue? I think it really depends on the person. There were people that were in my writing classes and on the podcast who had never talked about it before publicly. They knew that their family members or close friends knew they were dealing with whatever they were dealing with, but they had never come out publicly through social media, through their business, with their employers. They'd never gotten to that point of feeling like they can do it. A lot of people, myself included for so many years, felt so much shame around navigating it and having this thing that made them feel othered. And so any way that they could feel more connected to the people around them, they would do as opposed to, hi, I'm Harper. I live with this rare disease that less than 300 people in the world have. And no, you're never going to know the name of it. And it's super strange. And that's what it is. So there's something really powerful about being able to share your story and all of a sudden find this connection where that diagnosis doesn't matter. It's what are those through lines that connect us all? What are the through lines that connect us all? Because if you mentioned social media, and again, I just want to use social media and notwithstanding most recently, Twitter and a lot of the spam and the hate speech and a lot of the divisiveness. But it also, but putting that aside, has social media really made it very hard to create that connection? It seems like the social media tries to make the world flat and tries to allow us to connect with one another interpersonally. But at the same time, it seems that there's so many echo chambers where it's very hard to discover, again, that community that you're building to find those folks who understand who, oh, and if they don't have that, that condition or illness that I have, at least they, again, they have that rachmanis, they have that compassion, they have that, they have that understanding. So, what do you say to the person who's just constantly refreshing their social media feeds to find resources? What do you say to them, again, to find your community or communities like yours or resources like yours? It's interesting you bring up the social media thing because I read an article last week in the Jerusalem Post that I'm happy to share with you where there was a researcher who is using social media to learn more about patients' trends with chronic and invisible illness, finding that they were going to the doctor only being given five, 10 minutes of the doctor's time, not really being able to share their experience, and then being able to look at their social media and go, wow, they're airing all of this out. They're talking about their symptoms and what about powerful tool that is to collect data and learn more about patients. So I would say to answer your question more directly is I think that there's plenty of communities and outlets out there for people given the different topics or themes or stages of life that they're in. For me, I looked online like crazy trying to find content that resonated with me. And I found a lot of depressing essays. And I found a lot of content that I couldn't relate to as a high functioning person who was also living with an invisible illness. So I would say there is value on social media, but take it with a grain of salt and do your due diligence to go, is this person putting out fake news? Is this person a credible source? Who's following them? Who's engaging with them? And what kind of content are they sharing? 
And also using your own network of people. Does anyone know anyone who is navigating X that you can connect me with? I've actually used social media a lot to build Made Visible. And a lot of my listeners, a lot of my guests, a lot of my writing class students all came through social media, people pitching themselves to me or following me. And so I do think there's a lot of value, but there's also the like Instagram versus reality concept that definitely comes up. I think there are patients and people living with invisible illnesses who don't share that backstory. You may know they have an invisible illness or you may not, but that is not what they're sharing on social media. And I try to do a balance of that. Okay, you try to balance the reality with, is it couching some of what uh, the, the illness or what someone may be going through? Help us understand that balance. Yeah, I think for me, it's okay. My reality is I live with an invisible illness. There are certain things that impact me on a day-to-day basis, but at the end of the day, typically I can live a quote unquote normal life. And I really hate the word normal, but it's the way to explain it. So I can show that I'm going out with friends and I'm going to music festivals and I'm spending time with my family. And I watch the beach at sunset. I watch the sunset at the beach most days. And I also share I was just in the hospital or I'm dealing with these symptoms or here are some of the challenges that I'm living with. And I try to give that combo. Life is not all rosy, just like it isn't for anybody else, but especially to raise the awareness of people of, you think that my life may look really good, but here's what's going on behind the scenes. No, it's great that you're pulling back the veneer. You're pulling back the onion on this is Harper's life. This is what you're on social media. But again, you're balancing it with here is my reality. And again, perhaps there's again that that commonality where we can connect. So it's shifting gears a little bit. You know, when you were working at Buddy Media, you left Buddy Media. And then didn't you start an entrepreneurial journey that eventually got you to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually went and looked at LinkedIn to see when I was working at Buddy Media because it feels like such a lifetime ago. That was 2010. From Buddy, I went to work at a beauty PR firm. And that was a pretty toxic work environment for me. And it's where my health took a bit of a turn, where I went on a bit of a medical leave after having a surgery. And then I went and worked at another company that I decided whether I was there for years or months, it was going to be my last job before I started my business. It was an opportunity where there was a lot of flexibility, a lot of independence, and I had the opportunity to manage my health and my well-being while also doing really impactful work, producing events for nonprofits and health and wellness brands. So while I was working at that company, I met a lot of people in the personal development space. I met a lot of coaches not even knowing what a coach was at that time. This is back in 2013. And I remember sitting in a business meeting with my boss and she did not tell me why I was going to be in this meeting with her. She truly just ushered me into a conference room, said, join me. I sat in on this meeting and I had no idea why I was there. Still to this day, not a clue. (laughs) But ultimately, I was sitting in a room with my boss and a life coach. And she passed her card to me at the end of the meeting. And I sent her an email and I said, what just happened in there? What do you do? And how do I do that? And that was my introduction to life coaching. I learned about the different training programs. I spoke to a different, a bunch of different coaches to learn about how they made money, how they got clients, how to build the business. I was used to living this life of climbing this ladder of like different roles in, in corporate jobs and agencies 
And here I was going, I'm certain I want to be a business owner. And now I'm certain I want to be a coach because I felt like I had always been a coach without the title and the salary. So in 2014, I went through a coaching training program for nine months while I was working full time doing event production. And in November 2014, my boss came to me and my colleagues and said things were shifting with the company. How did we feel about going freelance? And I couldn't have been happier because I had just had my website built and I was going to try to pursue entrepreneurship. So I had this freelance gig for a few months while I was starting the business. I started as a life coach. When I look back at the copy from my website, it's very much a joke of anyone and everyone, whatever it is that your problems are, I can solve them. I can help you. And then over time, I had so many jobs in my life. I had eight jobs in 10 years before starting my business. And I realized that people identified with that and I knew how to pivot and make changes in a bit of a seamless way. So it didn't look like I was non-committal. So people were coming to me to help them with making transitions within their careers. And I discovered that what I really was passionate about was working with solopreneurs and small business owners. And these were people who were really good at whatever they were doing, interior designers, therapists, marketers. But on the back end, they didn't really know how to navigate running their businesses. So I became the external CMO slash COO to a lot of my clients and helping them make decisions and build out whatever their business looks like. Wow. That's, that, that, is, that, that is amazing. Again, you're being that outside inside perspective of really helping that, that founder, that solo entrepreneur, the small business owner to really take the reins of how do I operate this business? How do I market this business from a coaching lens or from a coaching perspective? Fast forward, that was 2014. The pandemic was 2019, 2020. I imagine in isolation and protecting yourself from COVID-19, a lot of people, they, a lot of people that on social media were going through this, I call it the great evaluation. What is my purpose? What should I be doing with my life? I'm inside the majority of the day. Do I enjoy what I'm doing? Is it providing me with fulfillment? Before we started recording today, Harper, we were talking about doing good while doing well. What were some of those conversations, again, putting your coaching hat on that you were having with clients and with friends around this time when they were going through perhaps this great evaluation of what I should be doing coming out of the pandemic? I heard the term great reassessment, and I really love that one. So back in January 2020, I decided after six plus years, yeah, six years of doing one-on-one -on -one coaching exclusively I decided to launch a group coaching program called Harper Circle, and that launched like January 25th. So we only had a few weeks before the pandemic was in full force. And it went from let's be very goal oriented and let's set like weekly goals, quarterly goals, very specific, tangible things that everyone wants to walk away from after being in this group to a business support group. And it was so much of how do we just stay afloat? How do we just navigate day to day and make sure that we maintain what we're doing, have money coming in, but also protect our mental and physical well-being? And it really pivoted in such a major way. And I think there was so much value to having the group to support each other, me included. I gained so much from working with these people and having this community every other week to connect, connect with. But the other thing is, in April and May of 2020, I got a lot of new clients. There were a lot of people getting laid off. 
And people were either looking to pursue starting a business because they were getting employment or they had a side hustle or a passion project and said, all right, now I have all this time to pursue it. Let's do that. And decided to invest in me. So my business was like through the roof in 2020. It was no question my best year yet because people were looking for support and guidance and saw that they now had time and energy to dedicate to their businesses. And so I think a lot of the common threads were how do I make some of them having very in-person businesses make those digital? And I think that was a big adjustment for a lot of people and easier for others. I've had a virtual business for years. When I lived in New York, I saw clients in person, but it never really had a huge impact. So that was a huge pivot for people making that transition. And then just trying to decide what of their services, what of their offerings were valuable to people. Why were people going to spend X amount of money on Y service when they had all the time to do it on their own? I think about the beauty business, which I know you're familiar with as well, is how many people started doing their nails at home and facials at home and all these services that they spent hundreds or thousands of dollars on and all of a sudden said, oh, I can do this at home. I don't need someone. So really helping my clients learn who their customers and clients were and figure out what their needs were to be able to meet them wherever they were. Wow. Excellent. So in, in part of that evaluation or helping these business owners pivot, did any any of these sort of conversations really evoke what are my fundamental values? I really like bringing up this question on what are, what is you as a business leader, what are your core fundamental values and the people you work with, do your values align with them? And I think that becomes, that has become more pronounced from the beginning of 2020 through now, because what I've been seeing, and perhaps you're seeing this too, on social media, people are still is stuck in the sense of maybe I'm not growing, or maybe I'm not doing what I, I should be doing, or what I'm doing is not, is, is not making a personal impact, it's not making a greater impact. I wasn't put on this earth to do X, I was on put on earth to do why I think. So I'd love to start there in terms of articulating your fundamental values. And I imagine it has commonality with the people that you come across with both clients, friends, and colleagues. Yeah, no question. I'd say that like, I'm a very consistent person. And so I'm aligned with my values and the people I surround myself with. Interestingly, I find that a lot of my podcast guests were clients and vice versa. And that while I never came out saying my coaching business was for people in the health and wellness world or targeting the health and wellness world, a lot of my clients became that because I was so public about my health story. So there was that like intertwined connection, whether someone had an invisible illness or not, if it was something they prioritized, it was something that we had a new connection on. Knowing that you were going to bring up the concept around values, I actually did a little digging this morning because I felt, okay, I feel clear in who I am, but what are those like core words, those core themes that really thread amongst my life? And the words that came up for me were fearlessness, compassion, dedication, independence, decisiveness, and consistent. Wow. And everything that you do ladders up to those, to those words, to those affirmations. It's more like an affirmation. These are my values, but... I need to make sure that whatever I'm doing hits on these. 
And it's funny, I like I attribute the reason why I bring up this question part of it's an, an introspective, an introspective exercise that I did. And I really attribute that to a gentleman, Jay Mandel, who I came across, who's a professor at FIT, who is marketing a MasterCard for close to 10 years, who now that he's both a part-time professor as well as a business coach and helping a solo entrepreneur, small businesses brand, he really starts at how do you articulate your core fundamental values? And after you've articulated and you've written down your core fundamental values, how do you make sure that whatever you do, both professionally and as well as personally, that any of those activities, again, align with those core fundamental values. I think it's super important as I think through the people that I'm bringing on this podcast, what are those, what makes you tick? What is your North Star? And it's amazing that you're able to freely articulate, Harper, your core fundamental values to me and to listeners and to ensure that the people you bring on the Made Visible podcast, Harper Circle, coaching, again, everything just aligns so well. Because again, if it doesn't, then it feels forced. Then again, it goes back to that assessment of, am I doing what I should be doing? Which I think is amazing. And it's amazing that again, you've been very purposeful and deliberate with how you've built your business to this date. Now, I know we're coming up on time and I really love to go back to Made Visible. You mentioned, and I'm not gonna pass this over, you mentioned that you're rebooting the Made Visible podcast in 2023. So I'd love for you to share with both me and the listeners, what should we expect? as you reboot in 2023. This is the the first time I'm saying this. So this is an exclusive. Let's get some press for this. There we go. So I am going to launch by re-releasing some old episodes, some favorites of mine, because I had 100 episodes and there are certainly people that are going back and listening, but there are new people out there that don't know that this exists or haven't gone back and listened to some of these episodes. So I'm going to start with that, but I have a list of guests that I'm already in talks with that I'm going to bring on and also different topics. I think one of the lessons that I came out of the pandemic with is more themes, more of the common threads that people can connect on. People have asked me about doing episodes on long COVID since that's really an issue. And because I've been facilitating writing classes for people with invisible illnesses, I'm hoping to interview some of my past students about the power of storytelling and what they have learned in their experience in being in the class. Not even just to promote the class, but more so for them to acknowledge what has been valuable for them in going through this process of putting pen to paper to write their story, as well as to connect with other people going through this and sharing their writing in class. So I've got a lot of different angles, some roundups, different doctors and therapists that I'm looking to bring on, always interested to talk to new people with different perspectives, people with rare conditions, because I think when I look back on past episodes, there's a chunk of, there's a lot of people with cancer, there's a lot of people with depression. And while I'm not looking to undermine any of that, of course, I'm looking to bring more unique stories that haven't been told already. No, that's, that's very, yeah, I think that's unique. And I think it's, it, again, shining a light on the stories that haven't been told yet, I think is, and using your platform for that, I think is for the greater good. Because again, we started this conversation with invisible illness and the, your invisible illness is it only affects a, a couple hundred people. So people really, so the people listening and the people you in, encounter with, they really can't really, they can't really put their arms around that because the numbers are so small. But again, if you shine a light on these stories, you're going to get those, the person who's listening is, wait a minute, that's something, that sounds like something that I have or that my friend has or my family member has. So it, again, what you're saying about the, those common threads and making those connections and connecting the dots, I think, again, it shrinks the world in a good way. 
Uh, yeah, and also I interviewed my mom and the last episode that I did, my dad interviewed me. And so many of my friends and colleagues listened to those episodes and felt like they learned so much about me and my family and what it was like to navigate living with an invisible illness for so long. Even people who had known me for many years heard things they'd never heard before. So imagine if someone has never been outspoken about what they're going through and they go on a show and they share it on social media or to their newsletters, wherever they distribute it and how much of an impact that could have on their lives as well as others. Yeah, it's partially a catharsis and partially it's that there might be someone out there that could benefit from my story. Exactly. Great. One last question. There's a word that you've been saying throughout our conversation, which is pivot. There are some entrepreneurs, there are some non-entrepreneurs, there are some nonprofit leaders, whatever their stripe is, whatever their, their life's calling is, pivot applies to anyone and everyone. So what's your word of advice to anyone who's, again, going through this, what they believe is a transitional period and it needs to or needs to or wants to pivot, which will eventually get them to where they want to go. What is your, again, that, that piece of advice you'd give that person? Yeah, I think it goes back to the core values. I think it's really understanding what's most important to you. What do you believe in? What do you wake up and want to jump out of bed and focus on? For me, I'm such a gut feeling person. So if something doesn't feel good in my body, truly my gut, I don't want to continue doing it or I don't want to do it at all. So I think it is really listening to what lights you up, what excites you, what motivates you to continue forward. And the other thing I'll say is there's an amazing creative slash writer named Suleika Jawad, who's married to John Batiste. And she's incredible. I've been following her work for several years. And last year she put out an email and you can find this on her Substack called The Five List. And it's an exercise to do at the end of the year to reflect on what worked this year, what didn't work, where do I feel misaligned? If I could have anything and everything in the world, what would those things be? And it's this amazing exercise to be able to reflect on where you're at and where you want to be. And I think it's good to review something like that and go, is it aligned with where I am today? And is it where I want to be five years, 10 years down the road? Yeah, that all makes sense. It's funny when I was talking to a previous guest, Steve Jobs, I think the quote is, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. So by having that retrospective on what transpired over the year, uh, over the pa- the year that was, is this, again, is this something that I want to continue with? As you mentioned, is it a gut feeling in my gut, in my intuition? Does this feel right? And if it doesn't, what can I change? So this way, uh, what I am doing, I am waking up with a, a joie de vivre, a joy for life with anything that I put my mind to and head to and heart to. Uh, yeah. The other thing that I would also say is I'm a big person who's all about trial and error and just seeing what sticks. Take one step. Don't think about the whole big picture and what it's going to look like five years down the road. If you're feeling stuck and you want to pivot, take one step and put one foot in front of the other, and it'll all come to fruition in the way that it's meant to roll out. That, yeah, again, it's not going full, full, making a full change or transition to your, putting, just to, to paraphrase what you're saying. Test a, test a, like one step, figure out what that one step is. And if it doesn't work out, do you disregard the change altogether or do you fix that one step? So the next time you do it again, it does make sense. And again, you are connecting the dots and you are figuring out how do I go from step one to step two, step three, step four to get to make that ultimate change that would be, that will benefit your life for the better. 
Absolutely. This has been great. I really do appreciate your time this afternoon, dispensing a lot of great insight and wisdom. As I mentioned, uh, as you mentioned at the beginning of the, the podcast, made the Made Visible podcast, your podcast will reboot with uh, some of those those previously recorded episodes in 2023. At, when I publish this episode in this conversation, I will definitely include a link to find Harper in the Digisphere, as well as to find the Made Visible podcast on any of the listening platforms that you prefer. So you can, again, really understand and appreciate the conversations that Harper is having with her guests and community. Thank Thanks you again. Thanks so much, Eric. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow the podcast on your favorite listening platform or subscribe to the show Substack so you never miss an episode.